great future. We're talking real money. Hi, this is Tom Cock from Talking Real Money. You already know that. And this is part of a new program we're doing, hopefully on a weekly basis, called Monday Money Musings, or just I think with Don, it was just Monday Musings. But for me, there's still going to be a financial aspect of all this. And uh, today's is a look at a book that I just finished. Um, You know, I am a reader. I I love reading. I make time every day for at least an hour of outside the industry kind of reading because I read a lot of stuff in the Wall Street Journal. I read Bloomberg, Industry, Rags, all that stuff to see what's going on. Uh, on a day-to-day, but yes, I even check in on CNBC from time to time. But I also read books. I love books. Um, not sure when I fell in love with all that, and it was definitely in adulthood. I don't think I was a big reader as a kid. My brother, uh, younger brother, used to sit around and read all the time when he was younger, and I thought he was weird. But um, I do love books. I'm studying, stuck in a bit of a rut. Uh, Don will be glad to tell you that. Yeah, it's mostly biography. It's pretty heavily history and out of that it's more even heavily uh world war ii history and i got a good excuse for that because my dad uh was a participant uh in the military in world war ii so i could say that it's legit that i do read a lot of that and i do i i enjoy it i know a lot of the history and i've taken a very deep dive there but in the summer, sometimes I try to find an alternative. And by the way, after I read the book, I'm going to tell you about it here in a minute. I'm back into a World War II uh, book that I'm finding very interesting. But this book was a little on the lighter side. I found it through a piece in uh, our local Seattle Times, which is doing a write-up on financial frauds. And uh, they did a write-up on a fraud that occurred a long time ago, back in the 1970s and 80s, which to some of you <laughs> seems like another world. To some of us, it's it was part of our life and an integral part of our life, the 70s and, of course, 80s. And this book looks at a business person, a business that was very successful in the 70s and 80s, but it turned out it was fraudulent in many, many ways. And I've read a lot of business books. When I had my television show, Serious Money, I had to read about a business book a week and they were dry. I mean, these are books about how to invest. These are books about avoiding financial mistakes. A lot of things that I knew much about, but I interviewed the authors. So I had to read these books. And frankly, if I never have to read another one of those books, it won't be too soon. This book is not that. This book, by the way, is called Retail Gangster, the insane real life story of Crazy Eddie. Now, some of you may know the Crazy Eddie story because he lived through it in the the New York area. And this is written by Gary Weiss, and I think the writing is phenomenal. And I do think, so please stay with me, I do think there's some lessons for all of us out of this as well. So this is not just a look at a book, but it's a, a look at the musings I think you should pay attention to. But this is not a business book written about how to be in business because you certainly wouldn't follow his example. It's not one written about the intricacies of how to operate a business, but it's written about the people. I've always said great business writing truly is about people because business is people that are trying to create wealth. They're trying to provide a service. They're interested in building something that hopefully will help others. So I love this book. It was a quick read. I took it to uh, our annual summer vacation on a nearby lake where we hang out with uh, 
kids, grandkids, and the like, and it was a ball, and I get my couple hours a day of reading in the sun, which I truly enjoyed. So this, again, is about a colorful individual who decided to get into the retail uh, business of electronics. Now, he had been a street hustler in New York, and those tactics as a street hustler end up being a big part of what he does in business. He had a chain of discount stores. Uh, again, some of you may even remember him called Crazy Eddie's. And he built these on very loud tele- radio and television commercials. In fact, um, we're going to play one of those commercials for you here in just a second, where Crazy Eddie would not be undersold. It, it sounded a little like this. Anything and everything goes. Crazy Eddie's smashing prices to smithereens on everything in his humongous inventory. It's Crazy Eddie's greatest clearance sale ever going on now at all great Crazy Eddie locations with prices that are insane. So this is a business built on those wild and wacky commercials that ran basically everywhere. In the book, it talks about all the radio and television time they bought. But it's also business built on fraud. And um, Eddie was not a guy that wanted to pay anybody except himself. And in fact, later on in his life, he had somewhere around $55 million that had been uh, purloined from others and sent uh, overseas. It was in Israel where he tried to hide for a while before getting arrested. I don't want to give away too much, but he did all kinds of things to steal from others. I mean, the, the, at the beginning, he just decided the way he could have lower prices than everybody was not pay sales tax. He collected it pocketed it and 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 kept it to run the business and put it in his pocket not pay the state got away with that for many years and during all that time he built up to about 40 40 uh, uh, uh locations i mean this is not a small enterprise in any way but as he was going along he was stealing in other ways too i mean shockingly from his employees many of whom turned out to be family members uh, which led to, you might not be surprising, a certain amount of <laughs> of family dysfunction. Um, he So he wasn't paying the sales tax, not paying employees. He operated insurance fraud uh, in many ways where they, they t- I don't want to give away too much, but insurance fraud was there. Uh, in addition, there was, of course, the ever prevalent other types of fraud that people see when they're really trying to rip people off, like ripping off the customers, pretending that something was a piece of new merchandise when, in fact, it was a floor model and selling that for full price. All kinds of stuff like that that Crazy Eddie was doing. And that helped him build up this business, which then he created the biggest fraud out of all, and that was taking Crazy Eddie public. This is where it really gets interesting because he had to stop doing the sales tax. It's all these things that he had to quit doing because they were going to try to be legit. And eventually, of course, that doesn't work out as well because once you you shine that additional light on something like this enterprise, uh, you get in trouble. The the fake profits that they were booking, for example, where they're ingesting, uh, putting cash into certain cash registers to show that sales were far better. And then, of course, at the same time, Eddie, uh, crazy Eddie Antar, was just taking uh, the stock that went up 
as the sales look better and dumping that as they went along to create greater profits for himself. So this is it's a fascinating read, both in terms of the fraud, which I do find interesting because I find interesting how people commit fraud. I find interesting how people are taken in by fraud. And in this case, the people who were defrauded were shareholders who I don't think got much money back. But basically everybody in his life, everybody that he touched was defrauded, including his ex-wife, who was told repeatedly she'd come into millions of dollars because he had done so well with all this and ended up, uh, I think she's still, the end of the book ends up with her getting a judgment a couple of years ago for a million and a half dollars, and Eddie's been dead for several years. So I don't think she's going to collect on that. But it, it, it's a fun read. It's light. It's, again, not a typical business book. But if you kind of want to look at an enterprise that was built on fraud, I think you would really enjoy it. Again, the book is called Retail Gangster. Gary Weiss is the author So what can we take away from Crazy Eddie Antar, the subject of the book Retail Gangster? He grew the chain to 40 stores. He booked fake profits, took the stock way up. The publicly traded stock went way down when people realized it was fraud. He ends up spending six years in prison after getting sort of tracked down in uh, Israel, where he had absconded with over $50 million. Um, You know, it's a fascinating thing, too, because... Uh, the author, who I think did a great job of describing all of this, wrote the following in an article later. The victims, I guess, would be the shareholders, he said, the people who bought stock, investors, customers, because customers were victimized by a myriad of schemes ranging from bait and switch, which I didn't mention earlier, to being sold used goods as new. I've heard defenders of Crazy Eddie saying, oh, they got a great deal. But they didn't get a great deal. Crazy Eddie advertised an image of giving the cheapest prices, but they really did not. And I didn't even mention that previously. But so there was all kinds of fraud going on here. And again, I still think the biggest losers were the people in the publicly traded stock that uh, that bought stock. And they bought it long after the fraud <laughs> had been exposed, thinking they'll deal with this. This will not be a continuing problem. It'll go on. But it turned out to bring the entire company down. And there have been attempts, by the way, by the Antar family to sort of bring back uh, the Crazy Eddie franchise to do this again, uh, do it right, but still use the people that remember uh, this. Uh, these stores that uh, in some ways did better than Circuit City and others, et cetera, et cetera. But what lessons can we take from what a prosecutor called the Darth Vader of capitalism? Um, you know, there's a few. And I think the biggest one has to be and it's something we all need to pay attention to. I found out today that my credit card was used uh, in a fraudulent manner this morning. I uh, woke up, looked at the balance, like, well, I don't remember buying this sort of perfume, other things. Turned out it was a fraudulent purpose. You know, fraud does exist. The fraud is out there. Uh, and, and so how do you really protect yourself from it? Well, we have done uh, we've done shows about this. We've done um, certainly uh, we've had this as a topic at our retire meets. You got to be ever vigilant. You got to be paying attention. You got to know what to look for. You got to pay attention to potential frauds that could come and take advantage of you or fraud fraud stirs i should say because they're out there um it, it it's a problem and our friend herb weisbaum has written a lot about this there's all kinds of places to to uh to, to get hurt but i think you just got to pay close attention number two buying from someone who's loud who's insane who's crazy 
isn't always the best idea. It sounds kind of exciting. There's people in our industry that are loud, that have a big voice, that run a lot of ads. They're all over the place. You know who I'm talking about. Uh, they're going to tell you that if you make more money, then we make more money. Well, that's true of every other person in the industry, even though they make it sound like it's something unique to them. So loud isn't necessarily the best option when it comes to purchasing something. A lot of loud voices that are not the best ones. And that brings me to another thing that we've seen a lot of in the industry, the industry that we're in, investing. And that is, I just want the lowest price. I want to use a mutual fund or an exchange-traded fund that is absolutely the lowest. That has not always been the best approach. Now, should you be paying attention to uh, buying things with no commissions, low expense ratios? Absolutely. No question. But I've seen people move from one product to another because, well, that's two basis points, two uh, one hundredths of a point lower percent, rather lower than it was. I don't know that that always makes sense. And in this case, I think people got uh, taken advantage of because they truly thought they had the lowest insane prices and they weren't getting those anyway. But that's why they rushed into the store. So fraud exists following somebody who's always loud and uh, and and always looking for the lowest price, the best deal out there. I'm not sure that that's always the best approach to take. So truly love this book. I hope it's a, a couple of good takeaways for you here in my little Monday musings. I'm Tom Cock. Thank you for joining me here on Talking Real Money. We hope you realize that the information provided on Talking Real Money is for informational, educational, and hopefully enjoyable purposes only. Providing personalized financial planning or investing advice takes time. So please consult with a really good fee-only fiduciary investment, tax, or legal advisor. We know a good one. Investing must always involve risk. In other words, you can and probably will lose money at times. Also, as much as you want it, no one can accurately and consistently predict the future. So past performance doesn't tell you a darn thing about what the future will bring. Unlike many other programs that say something similar, Talking Real Money is not trying to get you to buy or sell any financial products or securities. Instead, the program is provided as a public service by Appella Capital, a fee-only registered investment advisor. Thanks for listening and please visit TalkingRealMoney.com for more information and disclosures. Are we done now?